recognize when we see old glory flying. There's a lot of men dead. So we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our head. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister, and me to grow up and live happy. Welcome back to The Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino. Joined here by our host and star of this show, Jerry Trupiano. This is On the Record with Jerry Trupiano, episode 458 on our network. Before we bring on Jerry and our, our guest today, we got a packed show tonight. This is the back end of a Thursday triple header. We had an earlier show today with the Hall of Famer Jim Cott, followed up by A.J. Ramos, former Florida, or former Florida Marlin, uh, now a producer of his own show. But I want to thank a couple people first. Jaw Bats, RVG at checkout will get you a big discount on Major League Baseball's newest certified bat. I want to thank them for their partnership. My son Tanner's using his M110 model, lefty and righty. Jeff Fry hit a pull side double at Fantasy Camp, and as he said, it's got to work if he had a pull side double. So we're happy to have that partnership. Look out for future partnerships with Bo Net, the longest standing net in baseball right now. A lot of people trying to imitate, but very few can duplicate their success. So look out for that announcement next week, as well as our great friend, Kinetic Arm, going to be doing a, a one month or actually a monthly series on clinics for our audience here. Maximum capacity, 1,000 people on the clinic. So we're excited about them to do an end of the year event followed up in December with all of our fans there at their home base in Georgia. So look out for Kinetic Arm. And I believe Jason will be on one of our shows next week. So you get to talk to him in person. And then want to thank our, our 67,000 growing subscribers for nominating us for Baseball Podcast of the Year for two networks uh, we got nominated for. Voting ended this week, so we'll find out next week how we did. But we went up against the big dogs, Jerry, the ESPN, the Fox Sports, you name it. They were all up for it. So our our new group of not yet quite two years old, uh, 14 shows, is we're battling the big guys there. So also want to thank Millions, our newest marketing partner. They will have a menu up next week where you can hire out our podcast hosts to be on your podcast uh, to, to do clinics to do speeches in person or, or virtual, or you can just have them call and wish your son a birthday message. So a lot of good choices there and our merchandise dropped. So we'll have our merchandise on the market this week and hats, sweatshirts, t-shirts, you name it. So with that, Jerry, welcome back to your show. Glad to have you home and uh, I'll let you turn it over to you and introduce our great guest tonight. All right, Dave, thank you. And it's going to be fun talking with Susan Waldman, broadcaster for the New York Yankees. Always fun to talk Baseball, always fun to talk with Susan. How are you? I'm fine. Miss seeing you a lot. Miss hearing your really great dulcet tones all the time. Hope you're well. Yeah, we're getting by. Thanks. I miss it too. Let me ask you, let me tell everybody, this is the start. I want to do a six-week run, taking a, a look each week on, on the show, looking at each division in Major League Baseball. We're going to start in the American League East. And, and of course, uh, Susan, they... The Yankees are always at the forefront of conversation in the division. Coming off a disappointing year, huh? Um, it was more than disappointing. It was downright horrific. And um, nobody expected 82 and 80. And there were so many things wrong, Jerry. And it's just the whole way that they designed their offense for the past few years. Can you imagine the New York Yankees having no lefties in the lineup, per se, except for Anthony Rizzo? That was it. 
you know, and he was hurt, right? He was hurt. Well, he had a concussion. Fernando Tatis ran into him um, at first base, and you know, he hurt his neck a little bit. And uh, they never really tested him for a concussion. They said he was fine. He said he was fine. And Jerry, he kept playing, and he got worse and worse and worse. And um, and he couldn't see. He had double vision, and he never really told anybody. And at one point, uh, he looked at. Uh, those iPads that he had in the thing and he in the dugout and he thought that a ball was going to be outside and it was right by his face. Mm. He actually couldn't see. So he could have gotten killed. And I believe that's when his wife said, you better tell somebody about this. And they found that he did have a concussion and um, he had, really had to stop. And he went through all kinds of protocols, a certain kind of vitamin. He's fine now. Um, but this is really scary. Um, and losing him, also defensively uh, was a big blow for them. And of course you lose Aaron judge for two months and basically without judge and Rizzo, they really didn't have a very good offense. And, and when I, when I look at, obviously you're, you're a lot closer to it than I am, but when you look at it from the outside, as I looked at the Yankees last year, if I applied the word lethargic, would that be accurate? Well, I think that when you swing and miss a hundred times a game, and you look like you're lethargic. Um, I, I really, and they fired their hitting coach halfway through. Um, I really think that their analytics, and I know analytics are here to stay, but what they decided to do with their offensive players because of analytics, uh, really, I think ruined them. Can you imagine having no lefties? And then because they said, well, you know, these guys can go to opposite fields, but but they don't, and they didn't, and I don't know if lethargic was the word I would say they just weren't very good uh, if they didn't hit home runs they did not win uh, they could not uh, they did not walk a lot they could not move runners and I just thought the the offense was awful and I think they were down near the bottom I know Oakland was worse and Detroit was worse and I believe Kansas City was worse but other than that there weren't too many people that were worse offensively in a lot of categories than the New York Yankees it's funny we talked about injuries we mentioned Aaron Judge and, and Anthony Rizzo we haven't even gotten to Giancarlo Stanton who who always seems to be hurt that is a constant injury, and I have no idea what they're going to do with that. I know I have not seen him. He has not arrived in camp yet or hadn't uh, as of yesterday when I was talking to people there. And uh, I know he's got – but, you know, Jerry, how many times do we say people come into camp, they're in the best shape of their lives? Oh, yeah. I have changed my um, – I've heard this with players ad, ad infinitum. I've changed the way I've worked out. I've lost weight. This year is going to be different. Whether it can be different. I hope for his sake, he can. He's been brutal and it's, and he really, he really cares. And this has really got to be embarrassing for him because this was one of the great sluggers, you know, in the game. And then he got here and all of a sudden he was not. And, you know, they tell him not to run a lot. He's going to DH. So that sort of just makes you put one person in the DH spot. That's not good particularly when you've got a lot of older players. Anthony Rizzo's 35. DJ LeMay, who's 35. Aaron Judge is now 31. You cannot have the DH spot taken up by one guy. You're going to need to give some of these guys off. And, um, you know, they, the help obviously getting Juan Soto is certainly going to help for at least one year. And they picked up Alex Verdugo from the left side, so that should be a little better. Now, Aaron Judge, obviously uh, among the best players in the game. 
a great leader on your club, which had a great leader in the past when you talk about Derek Jeter. But people looking at your clubhouse coming into the season with the addition of Juan Soto, Marcus Stroman, you mentioned Verdugo. What's, what's that mix going to be like? Well, it's really interesting because I, quite frankly, all the years, and there's been a lot of supposed troublemakers that come in here and they're never a problem. The only one who didn't, who doesn't live up to that was Josh Donaldson. And I think that was because he got hurt and couldn't play. So that was not someone that you'd want in a clubhouse when he can't play. Um, but I've heard Chuck, Nob- Chuck Knobloch was supposed to be a problem. He wasn't. Wade Boggs was supposed to be a problem. He certainly wasn't. So I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. I did say uh, Carlos Rodon, Marcus Stroman, Alex Verdugo, and Juan Soto all in the same clubhouse. It's really going to be interesting. Um, I think um, Juan Soto is going to be great because this is his free agent year and he wants to have a monster year. So he's going to be good as gold. Verdugo, I think this was a big wake-up call for him, that they just let him go for, in, in essence, a middle reliever in Greg Weiser. They just traded him. Um, and he can help the Yankees because he's a good contact hitter. He goes to all fields and he's turned himself into a decent outfielder. He's not exactly great, but he's pretty decent out there. I don't think he's going to make trouble because I think this was a wake up call that they practically gave him away. And Marcus Stroman has always wanted to be a Yankee. He's from here. He gets it. And I think he, they don't need him to be a number one guy. He can be a number three guy and have an ERA of three. And if that lineup hits, I think he'll be fine. Um, he's, this is a, a big shot for him. It's a place he's always wanted to be. And, you know, I'm, I tend to be optimistic, but I can give you the other side of it too if you want. But I, I think it's going to be fine. I've never seen a clubhouse um, have a problem as long as there's leaders in there. Judge is a leader. Um, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Anthony Rizzo is a leader and probably one of the best leaders of all is Garrett Cole. Yeah. Speaking of Garrett Cole, do you have enough pitching? No. We have. Who, who does? Cole. Yeah, right. Huh? We have Garrett Cole. Um, to me, Carlos Rodon, until he proves it, is um, a negative. And I know he came into camp last year. I thought he was out of shape. And he got hurt immediately. And then he came back and he got hurt again. And then when he did come back, he got hammered, absolutely hammered, game after game after game. And um, and he just was someone that just, you know, I, when they signed him, I actually had questions about it. Um, you know, this is a guy that was non-tendered by a team that, that he threw a no-hitter for. They non-tendered him. They signed him, but they did, and then he had that one good year in, in San Francisco, and that's in the National League West with those big ballparks. And you come to the American League East, it's different here, Jerry, as you know. Yeah, it's yeah. really different. And yeah. he still thinks he can get by with two pitches, that fastball and that slider. I don't care how good you are. You can't – I'm sorry, not in this league, not in this division. But we will see. Everybody says he's in great shape and he lost all this weight and the ball's coming out of his hand great and he's throwing 95 and that's great. And, you know, you got to show me. Uh, Stroman is Stroman. I think he's going to have a good year. Nestor Cortez, if he doesn't get hurt and he's been hurt every year, um, he's he came down to Tampa early to try and some different training methods with his shoulder, which wasn't responding. Um, he's one of the best people you've ever you'll, you've ever met, and he's very entertaining on the mound. So you kind of hope for him. And then the number five guy is Clark Schmidt. And frankly, after that, I have no idea, no clue who would be. I know there's a kid named Will Warren that they're very high on. 
Uh, Luis Hill, who just had Tommy John, he's coming back. He pitched a couple of years ago, uh, came up for a cup of coffee. He's got great stuff. Other than that, I have no clue what would happen if um, two or three people went down. They'd have to sign somebody. I, I still am not sure they're done. I would not be shocked if Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery walked in the door. It would not shock me. I don't think it's going to happen. But Brian Cashman said yesterday, we haven't put our pencils down yet. So I think they're they're looking. They know they can talk, Jerry. You've heard this forever or did this forever. You can hear them say, we're set. This is wonderful. They know. It. They don't have to tell us, but they know what's wrong. Yeah. What, what about Cashman and Aaron Boone? What's the, what's the pressure level? Um, well, Aaron Boone is in the last year of his contract. And um, what what happens after this year will depend on this year. Uh, Brian Cashman's not going anywhere. I mean, I don't think he'll ever go anywhere unless he wants to. Uh, he's got, I think, another year after this. He just had signed a, a, a big, hefty contract. But he's been here. Let's see. He started as an intern a year before I got here. So 1986, he's been with this organization. And if you look on on average, you know, he's made the playoffs every year but four in his whole in his whole tenure. So he's done a, a pretty good job, but I don't think his job's in, in jeopardy. Never was. Um, Aaron Boone after this year, that is, um, that is up for grabs. Let's look at the rest of the division. Is Baltimore still a 100 win club? Well, that depends on their pitching because now Kyle Bradish has a, has a problem. Whether he pitches this year, nobody knows. Uh, John Means has had a setback, uh, which is why they um, you know went out and got Corbin Burns. Uh, Mike Elias knows what he's doing, and I've, I've watched him build this team. I don't know if they're a hundred and one win team anymore because I don't think anybody paid them any attention for a while. Now now they've caught everybody's attention. They'll go as far as their pitching is. I gotta tell you a great, great story. Uh last year the kid Ortiz um came up at the beginning of the year, our first series. Um he, I think that third baseman was hurt. And he was at third base and then one day he played second and then he was at shortstop. And I remember turning to John Sterling, my partner, and saying, they're going to take this kid and they'll take one of their kid pitchers and they're going to turn him into a stud pitcher. And darned if that isn't what they did. They just Ortiz and Hall and they just traded him for, for Corbin Burns. So um, if they get good starting pitching, I think they've got Burns and one other and Dean Kramer. And they've got three. And then they'll fill in with these guys that they've had before I'm oh uh, Grayson Rodriguez who's going to be a stud, um, but they 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 took a step back. If Bradish can't pitch and John Means isn't coming back the way they thought, that's going to be tough for them. And don't forget they don't have their closer all year. Yeah, and how good is their young catcher? He's, I think that the the clock started on this team the day he walked in the door. He's one of those. He reminds me the way he conducts himself. He reminds me of when we all first saw Carlton Fisk. That he just has that presence, walks to the mound, pitches nod their head. You could see he takes charge immediately from the day he walked in. And go back and look at their record if you can find um, what the day he started. That's when their winning started, when Adley Rushman walked in the door. It's quite, it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing what they what they've done with this kid, but their uh, their um, their third baseman is great, and of course Jackson Holiday is going to be here. If not opening day, he's going to be here soon. They're loaded, Jerry. I don't know. Sometimes guys take a step back. A team will take a step back the next year. 
because uh, they can't keep it up. I don't know. They're awfully good. If they get pitching, I don't see them stopping. And they could be awfully good for a long time. That is a young club. That is a very young club. They're the youngest club, I believe, in at least in the American League. Maybe Kansas City's a little younger, but they don't have this result. And uh, Brian Cashman had told me last year when uh, we were had a bad game against the against the Orioles and I was walking out with cash and he said, they're going to be a problem for a long time. And they are. And you got to give Michael Elias credit. He knew what he was doing. He came in and he built the Astros. I mean, he really did. He knew what he was doing. Um, Adley Rutschman, by the way, is anybody could have drafted him. I'm not going to give him all that, that credit. A lot of these guys are Dan Duquette's guys that came up, but this next group that's coming up is all Michael Elias and they are going to be good for a very long time. What do you hear about the sale of the ball club? And I, I think the, those long suffering Orioles fans, I mean, you go back 30 years or so and, and they were among the cream of the crop and then they went downhill for a long time. What about the sale of the club? You hear well, it's, yeah, it's going to be, it, and it'll pass easily and um, they are going to spend money. And I know the fans suffered, but think about people like Buck Showalter, who was not allowed to go and get players. And they were taking out, when they broke down the team um, before they fired everybody, they broke it down. He was left with nobody. I mean, he was left with people from double A and A ball that that came up and you couldn't, you know, they blame a general manager or a manager. They had no players and they wouldn't spend on anybody. And I just thought it was a shame because that's a obviously it's a wonderful ballpark. As you know, the fans in Baltimore are great. They just aren't going to go and pay for a bad product. And um, the Angelos's and whoever's running the club, whichever son was running the club, obviously didn't care about that. And, you know, this is, this is good for Baltimore. I know that everybody down there um, in the organization is like taking a deep breath out, letting exhaling. And I think it's going to be good for everybody. And if now they've got to start spending money, then really look up. Because they weren't going to go into these you know, $170 million pitchers for, for three years. But now they might be able to because I guess these guys have very deep pockets. I was glad to hear you mention the ballpark because I was going to say they, at least they've got a team now worthy of the ballpark. Right? They do. And you know what? And, and there's every other place. When Buck Showalter took over and they were in the dregs, within a month the place was packed. I mean, there's nothing sadder to me than an empty ballpark. It really is. It makes my makes my heart sink when I see it. Nobody there, particularly that place. It's so beautiful. And and when they started winning, they come out. They really do. And that ballpark is as good as it gets. They've kept it up over the years. It's beautiful. It's great to go to. And the fan, fans are great. I love the Baltimore fans. They're just terrific fans, but they're not going to come if the team is awful. We're talking with the Yankees broadcaster, Susan Waldman, and I'm going to put Susan to to really to the test here. Uh-oh. What's the matter with the Toronto Blue Jays? Why are they not better than they appear to be on paper? Okay. I do have a, a theory about that. And, there you go. Okay. I do have a theory about that, and I think they might have solved it. Well, let's put the pitching aside because if they don't have pitching, it doesn't matter how much you how much you right. are. That goes for everybody, though. Well, right? that goes for everybody. Um, but now you've got Gossman. They don't know about Manoa, um, Barrios, and you really don't know with that group. Gossman is the only really sure thing. This is what I think. Uh, they had a lot of really young, talented guys who were all the same age, and there was no leader in there. 
There really wasn't. And you've been around teams when there's no one who holds everybody accountable. They have that guy now. His name is Justin Turner. And I think that's the reason that they grabbed him. Because, you know, it's one thing to have a coach talk, and I know they all respect uh, Don Mattingly, but he's not a player anymore. And Justin Turner, um, I know what he did in that Red Sox clubhouse, just to keep it together, because that got really bad in there, as bad clubhouses usually do. And every place Justin Turner has done, has gone, he has been that kind of person. And I don't want to put all of this on Justin Turner, but he's that kind of guy that walks into a clubhouse and demands respect. And I, I think that's going to be a, a big difference because you could see it. Cause they all came up together. They all think they're stars and there's nobody to say, hey, we don't do that here. And I hate now to they bring up that guy. I hate to bring up a bad memory for you, but I wanted to underline what you say about leadership and bringing a, a team together. 2003 and especially 2004, Kevin Millar with the Boston Red Sox. Yep, absolutely. That whole group. How about Jason Baratak, what he did? Right. I mean, you have that kind of guy. Can you imagine? And every team has that guy. Kevin Millar was that outgoing guy that was that kind of rallying cry. It was Jason Veritek who would go over to somebody and said, all right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, and you need that kind of guy. We don't do that here. Or, you know, that was that was a crazy group. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. And they had fun. And they had they, fun. And, and, but they, when, the, when the bell rang to play, let's do it. Yep. And, you know, they had, and Jason Veritek was that, you could see it just the way he was around in the clubhouse and Millar was one way and, and Damon and those guys, but they had that one constant. And to me, that was always Jason Veritek. Getting back to the uh, Blue Jays for a moment. One problem they had last year, and it's something they have to overcome. They did poorly against their division mates. Yeah, they really, they really did, and that's um, a lot of that is is pitching, and um, you know, like some of their um, their closer, uh, for example, the more he pitched against the Yankees, the more uh, Romano, the more he would pitch against his uh, division mates. Like you see them a lot, of, a lot of times. Mariano even was was trying to do different things because he saw um, the the Red Sox a thousand times a year. And, and he would try and do things. And the longer the season went on, the more the back of that bullpen um, would get hit. And that's because of the, the film familiarity breeds contempt. And I think that part is part of it. They did a good job last year getting different looks in that pen. And then what happened was the injury started to happen. And that has hurt everybody. And that's something that we're seeing everywhere with the pitching. And last year, a lot of Pitchers thought it was because of the pitch clock. They didn't have time to recover. Um, I'm not sure I buy that, but that was part of it. And and Toronto had a bad year against the division. And and two years ago, when the last time the Yankees didn't make the playoffs, it was because they couldn't beat Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore was not good. They beat everybody else, but had a bad losing record against against Baltimore for some reason. And that was one of one of the reasons the Yankees haven't made it. The times they have not made uh, made the playoffs. I wonder what uh, version of uh, Alec Manoa is going to show up this year. It's really interesting. You wonder 
Um, so much of this is, you know, Roger Clemens used to, um, when he would lose two games in a row, even when he was with the Yankees, you'd talk to him afterwards. And sometimes um, he'd say something, I, was, I wonder if I'm ever going to win again. And he'd laugh about it, but it came out. And, the, and even the most uh, vaunted pitchers and hitters, they go in a little slump and they, they get very insecure about it. I've seen it with O'Neill, Paul O'Neill. I saw it with Clemens. You see it with everybody. And Manoa didn't have that record to go back on. When I we saw his first game against the Yankees, he one hit them. It was one of the most electric things I've ever seen. And that was when he was very feisty and his mother was there in the stands and they were throwing kisses. It was really great to watch. He was just a kid. And when you start not having success, it really builds on you. So I'm wondering, I mean, you just don't forget how to pitch. You just don't, all of a sudden don't lose it. And, and when you're 22 or 23, whatever he is, it's going to be very interesting. He took it really personally that they sent him down uh, last year and things went downhill after that. I wish someone had sat him down and said one of the greatest pitches ever, Roy Halladay. They sent him down to A-ball to work with um, – uh, McQueen, Coach McQueen, so that he could get redo his revamp something. Something was wrong, and when you know something is wrong, you don't you pitch defensively, and you know no one can pitch defensively, not in this league and not in this division. You know, I I, I know he's got a big mouth and and all that, but I you know he has a lot of talent, and I would I hope he has found it. And you know they're saying oh he's going to have a big bounce back season, but you know we are in February. Is uh, Bo Bouchette or Bo Bichette a future MVP? He could be. He really could be. His defense got a lot better last year. He does make errors. He does make throwing errors. He's as good a hitter. Don Mattingly told me when he met him, he said, this kid's going to win a batting championship when he first met him. He's awfully good. But, you know, you need some guidance somewhere with these with these guys. And it depends on what this this team does. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see. I, I know I shouldn't put so much on one player. I am dying to see what Justin Turner provides in this clubhouse. It's going to be really interesting because obviously the talent is there, and obviously it wasn't Charlie Montoyo's fault. Yeah. What about Vlad Guerrero Jr.? What do you think? Well, that's you know that's an that's another. I mean, it's it's where we're talking about these personalities. He gets when when Vlad is not that smiling, happy guy, and when he gets in slumps, you know, he can. It's like Miguel Cabrera, the Detroit Tigers for years, you'd say you go as far as Miguel Cabrera is. If he's not hitting, no one else is going to hit. If Vladdy is insecure and not hitting the way he had a bad year, I expect him to, to bounce back. They're also young, Jerry. You know, they're not, they're, they'll bounce back. You are allowed to have a bad year. Well, let's let's move down south a bit. Let's uh, okay. let's go to Tampa Bay and and the job that Kevin Cash does every year. You know, it's amazing. We were doing a, a hot stove today at the station, and I we were talking about all of this. And I remember saying, you know, I'm not sure I can tell you who's on the team, but whatever it is, they may not be able to tell you. No, they're going to find it. I mean, every year you, you walk in, who's this guy and who's this pitcher, and they do the best job I have ever seen at recognizing somebody else's cast off and finding what they do perfectly. And just turning them into that focused player. I've seen it for years. I, I for years, um, except for Taj Bradley, I have no idea who's pitching. 
And and every year they find they've got a couple of kids that Kevin was talking about the other day. But Neander and Kevin have gotten Neander is the GM and Kevin Cash obviously they have both gotten extensions. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know what their algorithm does, but every year you can never count them out. Everybody says, well, there's no one on that team. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll find somebody. They always do. I think it's fascinating what they have done. And Kevin Cash has shown himself to be one of the top-notch managers because you know how we always say you have to have star players? They don't. They just they find people and and they just make them into what fits for them. And I don't know what they've got. Last year, uh, at one point, their cupboard was pretty dry down in Norfolk. And that was when they sort of slipped out of out of contention there. But for years, somebody goes down, they bring up somebody else. And that's what they've done for years. And I don't know who's going to be on the shelves this year, but I don't expect anything different. I wish they would get a better playing facility. I think it's going to happen. I, I do. They've got a design and everything. I, I don't understand why they're going to stay on that side of the bridge, though, and not go over to Tampa. But I hear they've got it. And one of the things that... Um, one of the um, things that I did hear Rob Manfred say yesterday that before he leaves office, which will be in 28 or 29, whatever. 29, yeah. January 29. 29. He wants that settled. Oakland and Tampa, he wants them settled uh, before he leaves office. And um, Tampa, they're, they're going ahead as if they've got the design. So hopefully they'll be able to do that. I hope so. They've got, you know, they don't come to the park because they hate that facility because it's really awful. And if you live on the other side of the bridge in Tampa, to go over in late afternoon is really a horror story because there's traffic everywhere. Um, people will not go to that facility, facility, but their TV and radio ratings are really good. So the fans are there. They just will not go to that place. Hopefully they get an, another place because they've done, you know, they've done everything right. They really have. They've been in contention every single year since this group came came over and um, Kevin got here. They really have since actually since Joe Madden got here is when they figured it out. And they've been in contention. They do everything right. And I hope it works for them. They're, they're innovative. They, they they try different things. I mean, I mean, you know, you got the guy starting the, the game. You don't have a regular starting pitcher out there they 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 put a patchwork together and it seems to work for them but it doesn't always work for anybody else well necessity necessity being the mother of invention they have to i remember um when they started the opener and they are the ones that started the opener and if you remember the first opener was sergio romo and i remember that year when they started in spring training the reason he went to romo because romo had two world series rings and kevin cash said if i can get him to um, to open, then the other ones will go because they don't have any rings, but this guy did. And Romo thought it would be fun. And I remember a couple of the starting pitchers all over the league saying, oh, come on, don't do that. Be a man. Uh, and, you know, you know, stand up. And Kevin Cash said, well, if I had Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and people like that, I wouldn't have to do this. And he didn't do it with Tyler Glass now. He didn't do it with the big guys who became who didn't. He never did it with Blake Snell. He did it when he needed to do it. And everybody tries to catch up with the Rays. Or Yankees tried this a couple of times to outray the Rays. You can't do it because they're already on to something else. 
and that's and that's their pitching coach and their pitching analytics people and the way they handle everybody. They've got an idea and they're going to fit you into their into their project. It's the spokes in the wheel um, kind of uh, thing that are, you can do this. You are going to be the best sweeper thrower who's ever lived. Um, although they've moved on from the sweeper there. They think now it's going to blow people's arms out. Um, you are the best change up pitcher who ever lived. And they hone that in. And you see pitchers all over the league who have gone there and turned their careers around because they take away pitches that don't work and they give them something else because that's what they see. And they fit that way. And that it, it didn't work last year, but it's worked for an awfully long time. What you got to do is figure out how to get 27 outs and be one run ahead of, of the opposition. That's you right. do that, you're going to be okay. That's right. Well, one team finished last last year has done three has done so three times in the last four years. The Boston mm. Red Sox, and uh, I, I haven't seen much of an improvement on paper going into spring training, but I know they're optimistic. I don't know how they can be optimistic. I'm sorry. I got to sell tickets. I got to say that. No, but no. Look, the general manager, the new general manager, and the president of the of the company were booed at the booed off the stage in the fans. Yeah. Um, and and the owners didn't show up. No, they, this is an angry, an angry place, and you were around there for a long time. And I'm from there, so I understand uh, what they're feeling there. They are turning this when you start talking about the Fenway experience and how we want to, you know, have bigger bars and we've got the music hall now. And some of us remember when the Fenway's experience was winning and now we want to have sustained, sustained success. You know who talks like that? The Pittsburgh Pirates, not the Boston Red Sox. And I said to uh, Joe Castiglione, their their now Hall of Fame broadcaster today, I said, who's your opening day starter? Brian Bale? And he said, Probably, but we don't know. Can you name the starting rotation? Hmm. Can you name the starting lineup? Yeah. Well, I know Devers is in it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, they did get um, whatever when they one of the kids they got for Chris Sale. Grissom, Vaughn Grissom. Vaughn Grissom, Grissom is going to be the second baseman for ten years. Yeah. And, and if can, Trevor Story can stay healthy, he's going to play, right? Well, he's going to play, but by the time Story is ready to move on, Marietta, they hope their shortstop, Phenom, who hasn't hit yet, but will, they think their first-round pick from a few years ago, they think he will be ready. Um, they did. They do have a kid I saw at the end. They brought everybody up. You know, do you know they do these games. It was like uh, being at JetBlue Park down in Fort Myers. You had to look to see who everybody was in September. Uh, the kid, Raphael. Who he's a shortstop and he plays center field. He's he's something to watch. So maybe they've got some kids, but not this year. You also have to wonder if this is Alex Cora's last year. Mm-hmm. They're talking as if somebody asked him about it, and he said, "Well, I haven't thought about it, but I'm in a good place, and um, and I'll take whatever comes." You know, it's like Aaron Boone is not worried about it, and he's all optimistic. And Alex Cora, it just doesn't sound to me, Jerry, like. You know, you got a new group coming in. You got a new general manager. You got um, Theo's back now. Maybe he's not there. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just. When I'm listening to their press conferences, it sounds like maybe this is the swan song for Alex Cora. In that case, he'll be out of a job for about a minute and a half. Yeah. Uh, what about the players? That, uh, Yoshida, the player they added last year, how good is he? Or well, he, was he a disappointment? He's a disappointment. He hits. They're going to make him the DH now. He can't play left field. Huh. He, it's, he, really? 
Wow. That's what, um, and so that that is a big thing also, because now you're, like with Stanton, if you're, I'm not sure I play left field every now and then, but he was not a good fielder. And you know that park, um, if you can't play left field in, in Fenway Park, um, you shouldn't be in the outfield because that's where they put people who can't play. Um, and they are in their planning to use him as the DH, I was told. And that's, they paid a lot of money for him. And, you know, maybe it, it's, maybe his second year he'll be better. But right now I am told the plan is to have him uh, DH all the time. Yeah. The, we, we've talked about pitching a lot when we visit, visited about these uh, five teams, any team in baseball. It is still a truism. If you don't have the pitching, you're not going to win. And and you're not. And, you know, when I when you take, for example, with the Yankees, Garrett Cole out of the equation, I don't know what you get from anybody. And uh, and we saw this a lot in the playoffs. You know, you can get through with five innings and go to the bullpen in, in April and May. By September and October, that doesn't always work. We saw that with the Braves a lot, which is why they may have shored up some things in there. Um, and and what uh, Joe Torre, I remember Joe Torre, when the Yankees were in a, a bad slump during those those great years, he'd always say, just keep it close. We'll think of something because mm-hmm. you can always get um, a run or two in. And that's what, and that's what, um, you know, Joe Torre always saying. And they did, and they got, you know, really remember those Yankee staffs in that, those dynasty years, look at those staffs and look at the back end of the bullpen. You've got, you've got to Stanton <laughs> and Nelson, Ramiro Mendoza and Mariano. All you needed was five innings, and that was the end of the game. But you can't do that for an entire season, and in the and in the playoffs, it doesn't work. I think one of the most overlooked things when people talk baseball is the the innings innings pitched by the starting rotation. Those guys in the bullpen are out there for a reason. If they were that good, they'd be starting. Now that's taking nothing away from them. Maybe they don't have the durability. Maybe they don't have the extra pitches. But your starting pitchers have has to they have to eat up innings for you if you're going to have a quality ball club. Well, that and that is the problem because the way it's gone with analytics now, if you don't pitch three times around the lineup, you're out of the game in the fifth inning. And not everybody is Garrett Cole who decides when he wants to come out. You don't, you're not coming out to take Garrett Cole out unless he wants to come out. And he will stay in. He wants seven, eight innings. Remember, Pedro Martinez used to used to hate himself when he couldn't finish a game. He was insulted when they said, you only need to go seven. You're supposed to start and finish a game. And one of the things is the way, that's why pitch, I think that's why pitchers uh, break down. I still agree with my old buddy, Jim Cott, who thinks that they don't throw enough, which is why everybody gets hurt. And, um, you know, you throw five innings and they take you out every single time. I don't care who's in that bullpen. That's not going to last. You can't do that. So the baseball has done that to itself by their analytics saying that third time around, you got to take a guy out. Well, no, no, you don't. And, and by the way, you talk to the old time pitchers and they said, they would say, I used to like the third and fourth time because I knew by then what he was trying to do to me. Those days are gone. Those I, I, I know you'll remember this better than I, but I, I, I still in my mind have the the vision of Mike Messina pointing at Joe Torre coming. I knew you were going there. 
Stay back there. This is my game. Get right? out of here. Go back. Get back. And he's pointing. I knew you were going there. It was one of the great things I've ever seen. And Tori was so dumbfounded that he did it because you never see Mike Messina is very mild mannered, very intelligent, speaks beautifully. To see him point his finger, don't you dare come out here. Get back. And Joe just went back. Um, yeah, there's some. Um, you don't. This is my game. I haven't heard Garrett Cole says it all the time. I don't hear a lot of starters say this is my game anymore, and I miss that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it 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 is missing from the game, and you know what else is missing from the game? And I don't want to sound like that guy. Get off my lawn! But you know, you mentioned Joe Torre, and I think of Joe Torre. I think of Don Zimmer sitting to his side. I think mm-hmm. of Johnny Pesky. I think of Jimmy Reese. I think of of these long time career baseball man, Jimmy Williams, who passed away recently. Uh, we, we miss that in this game right now. Well, we do, because now what we've got, and with a few exceptions, there are a few exceptions. Um, I know that Will Venable is sitting next to Bruce Bochy for a reason, and, and I expect him to be a manager pretty shortly. But mostly now we've got guys with iPads sitting next to the manager. And, um, you know, the, the new bench coach of the Yankees is Brad Osmus, an analytic guy if there ever was one. Um, he, he did manage though. So I think maybe that'll be a, a good thing there. Um, but it, we used to have these old grizzled guys and that's by the way, and people listening to this, that's where we all got our information from right. the Zimmers of the before world. we learned the game <laughs> of that. Well, that was when you could go sit in the coach's office. You can't do that anymore. And, and talk to guys. That's what, you know, you sit with Johnny Pesky and you learn more baseball in five minutes than you'll learn in, you know, in days of, of watching a baseball game. Those guys, for some reason, are not welcome in baseball any anymore. And baseball suffers for it. I, I really believe that. Well, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I will but- tell people to get off my lawn. <laughs> Well, you got those big German shepherds that chase them away. <laughs> How many you got now? I just got one. One? Yep. 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 Well, nobody's going to be breaking into your house. That's no, gonna... not not anytime soon. <laughs> They'll go next door. I always figure with my fence and my German shepherds, you know, she's got a pretty, you know, ferocious bark. If she does, they'll, you know, if they want to rob the house and they hear the dog, they'll go next door. <laughs> Should I put you on the spot? Who do you think is going to win the division? Baltimore. I think by, by default or by by the rest of the field or, or are they just that that good? I, I think they're really good. And I they got a really good manager. Nobody nobody gives Brandon High I know he's manager of the year, whatever. I, he's a really good manager. And um and I learned about him. You know, tell me about him. He was Joe Madden's bench coach when the Cubs won. Anthony Rizzo was in the, when he came to the Cubs, Brandon Hyde was in the minor leagues coaching and a thing. And Anthony Rizzo told me about when he got the, um, the Baltimore job, Anthony Rizzo said, he's an amazing manager. Where do you see what this guy does? He loves him. I mean, and, and watching what he's done, he was a little impatient first couple of years. And actually it was the GM, Mike Elias, who, um, who kept saying, don't worry about it. You got to be patient. This is going to take four or five years, but I think they've got a great, great manager to go along um, with that talent. They got so much talent, Jerry, that they're loaded down there. And if any of these kids come up and hit, they're going to hit. Obviously, they're going to hit. If any of these pitchers that they've got down there um, come up and contribute, um, they're going to be awfully good. And, you know, they're going to pay a little more attention now to Baltimore. 
but these kids, the third baseman and and Santander and right field, and obviously the catcher, they got another year under their belt, and they've been to the playoffs. I know it didn't happen. I, I was not surprised that they got, they'd never been there before. They're very young, but they learned from that. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I just like everything about what they've done. They really, they really combined uh, old school baseball with analytics. And there was no, when Michael Elias got there, there were no analytics. And Michael Elias, who came from, from Houston, took that knowledge with him, brought some of the Houston people with him. And that's how they've built this up so fast. So I kind of like them. I know the Yankees are going to hit. I, I just... I, I worry about injuries. I worry about the fact that DJ LeMahieu is going to play third base every day, and he's now 35 years old. Um, I worry about Anthony Rizzo, who I think is 35, going to be 36. Aaron Judge is going to be 31 in July. Um, it's fine that everybody comes back healthy, but as you know, they also come back a year older. And I just, I just wonder if there's enough besides Soto and Judge. You know, it's like you think, well, there's two. You know that's going to hit, and whether Soto battles battles bats second and Judge behind him, or Judge who likes batting second and Soto third, and maybe Glaber and backing him if Glaber is still here, um, then we'll see. But I, Brian Cashman said something yesterday that stuck with me. He said we're not putting the pencil down yet, which means they're not they're not done, and they they might not be able to do anything, but they haven't said. This is it. This is our team. This is what we're opening with. They have not said that yet. What about the young catcher, Wells? I like him a lot. I like him a lot. He is going to hit. He they they will they they are going to have to. They got to stop with the friggin' launch angle. I mean, it's got to it's driving me crazy. Uh, yeah. or, or everyone is. I got to tell you one thing before we get to Austin Wells, who I, I, I really like. Um, uh, Anthony Volpe, who struck out a lot, and he had the little uppercut thing. Um, well, Ted Williams called it an uppercut. Now they call it a launch angle because we have to change the name to everything. Oh, so sure. that we know that it's a new generation. Um, so Anthony struck out a lot. So what he's been working on, Jerry, you're going to love this. You're going to love it. New hitting coach, new assistant hitting coach. He's working on flattening his swing. Yeah, he's going to get into one, but he's really going to be a leadoff hitter. And they don't need him to hit home runs. It's fine if he does. But that isn't what they need. They need him to get on base, steal bases, hit the ball all over the plot, all over the park. And when you have that launch angle, you're not Aaron Judge. You're not going to be able to do that. It can strike him out with alarming regularity, which is what they did. So I think it's going back, which is really good. So, but to get back to that offense, you don't know what the rest of the lineup is going to do. I don't know what Stanton's going to do. I don't know about you know anybody else. I like the catcher a lot. He's got to get rid of that uppercut thing too. I mean, he does it. He's going to be a power hitting left-handed catcher. Um, they said, I got a scouting report. You know how people talk about these guys? No one's ever seen him. I don't know. I never saw Austin Wells play. Why would I know? But he came here and everybody said, oh, he can't catch. And the first game he caught behind the plate, he really is a, um, a student of the game. He's one of those. He knew every pitcher and what they liked to do before he, before he got called up. He had it all down. He was immediately attached himself to Jose Trevino, and he's really smart, and he loves the game preparation. Garrett says he's fascinating to watch in, in meetings because he loves it so much. And one of the things that um, he did, first or second game, he threw out two runners, I guess it was, and, and, 
and I said to John Sterling, my partner, I said, yeah, I don't know what people saw. It looks good to me. A strong arm. It was really accurate. And I don't, you know, everybody says, well, his catching is a work in progress. I didn't see it. So I don't know, but he is going to hit. I know he struck out a lot and he didn't hit last year when he came up in September, but you can see it. He is going to hit. Susan Waldman, we appreciate the time. I hope you have a lot of two and a half hour ball games, very few rainouts, and have fun this season. Travel Gosh, safe, huh? So great to talk to you, Jerry, anytime. I really appreciate it. Dave D'Agostino, take us home. Will do. Susan, hang on with us for a second. Jerry, another great interview. You're a pro's pro. I love listening to you. Uh, I appreciate you being on our network once a week. And Susan Waldman, you're one of my favorites out there. And I, I, I know you're going to have 67,000. If, if they aren't fans already, our, our audience is going to love you. You hit some key things. And I know our very own Jim Cott, even though he's just coming back from hip surgery, is giving you a standing ovation right now for bringing him up about pitchers learning their craft. Well, he is the best at it. I learned a lot from Jim Cott. He was around for a very, very long time on MSG. I, I can't even tell you how much I learned from uh, from Jim Cott. And, um, you know, thank goodness he finally got into the Hall of Fame. Should have been years ago. But um, I heard everything he said, and I did work with him on TV. I learned so much from him. He did put on some, some post on Facebook. Um, he put the other day, he said, I know I'm irrelevant, but, and then he wrote something else. And I wrote, Jim Cott will never be irrelevant. He is a Hall of Famer and he knows more about, he has forgotten more pitching than these guys will ever know. I agree with you hundred um, percent. He's, he's one of my favorites as well. And I, I love the call on Justin Turner. I think Justin Turner did it for Don Mattingly when he was a skipper in, in LA. And I know Mattingly is the assistant coach, but great call on that. I'm going to bring that 30 second clip out and Make sure everybody knows that you called it first with Justin Turner. Well, it's, you know, everybody talks about analytics and this and that. I'm sorry. This is a game played by people. Yep, I agree. agree. You're, you're, uh, you're hitting all the right chords on this baseball network of 67,000 old grizzled baseball players. Okay, we we love my, you. And give my love to Kevin Kernan, another old grizzled guy. Oh, yeah. He's same he's about the, everything. He's the king of this. He's, he's the one that started this with me wait, uh, about two years ago. So I will let him know he's, he's one of the best in the business. And he's one of the true humans still writing out there right now. Yes, he most, is. Most of it's AI. He's most, a, no, it's most of it's tweets. And tweets. You know, who can be more sarcastic than the next guy? That's right. I hear you on that. And uh, with us on a Friday night, nothing better than spending a Friday night with Jerry and I. And Susan, how you got roped into this, I'll never know. You'll have to tell us on the next podcast, but we appreciate you. <laughs> Episode 457 in the books here for the real voices of the game. On the record with Jerry Chupiano, another winner. Thanks, Jerry. Sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back.